We've got a really, really busy group. There's a lot of stuff going on here. It's not Earth Day, but I'm going to say happy Earth Day to everybody who's hearing this on April 22nd. That's the day that this is actually going to come out. And uh, we just want to say thanks for joining the Eyes on Conservation podcast today from Wildlands and for all the Wildlands Collective members that are with us right now. If you are a, a Wildlands Collective member or you are a member of the Patreon community, you have the opportunity to join us for events like this, which means that you have an invitation to sit in and hear experts and even ask your own questions. So that's a nice perk for both the Patreon community and the Wildlands Collective members. If you are not a Patreon member, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash Collective. And for as little as a dollar creation, you can become a supporter of this show in a really true, meaningful way. We only do two to three creations a month, so it's a very reasonable uh, donation, super easy to get involved, and it's a huge, huge benefit uh, to us and to you as a member to be able to ask those questions and sit in on some of those uh, conversations. Uh, So also, today being Earth Day, right, even though it's not... Um, April 22nd is the day that the Mammals platform, M-A-M-M-A-L-Z platform, is launching. And it's Twitch for nature. Uh, if, if you haven't heard of this before, we have an episode, uh, EOC 197, where we sat down with the co-founders and talked about their journey to uh, conceptualizing the Mammals platform and to what their vision is for it for the future. It's a really, really cool platform, and uh, they're doing some really, really neat stuff, and we just wish you guys all the best. So definitely go over there and make sure you download that uh, in the app store of your choice. Um, and for Eyes on Conservation listeners, for the next EOC uh, podcast that is coming out, we just want to ask you, uh, what is your favorite quarantine activity You can call the voicemail at 208-917-3786. You can also email us info at wildlandsinc.org. So that being said, let's go ahead and start with some introductions. My name is Gregory Haddock. I am one of the producers of the Eyes on Conservation podcast and the director of content production at the Wildlands Collective You've heard me talk long enough. Let's move down the line. How about Adam? How how'd you like to introduce yourself there, Adam? Yeah, so I'm a I'm Adam Campbell Ashevsky. I'm currently in Michigan, and I'm a photographer and graphic designer, I'm doing a lot of conservation work. And uh, welcome. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I'd love to do as we're doing these introductions is maybe share with us your favorite meme. It seems like right now this is like a like a like a uh, a golden age for the the interwebs, <laughs> and there is so much terrific crap that is coming out of it right now. So, is it, you got a favorite meme that you would share with us, or something that you're just loving on the internet right now? I've been actually doing a lot of uh, inspiration via a lot of photography, so I've been looking at a lot of National Geographic photography on Instagram lately. Um, I don't do a lot of memes, though. That, hey, that's okay. That is like a much higher brow than what I've been spending my time just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> uh, let's move down the line. Trying to innovate myself. Yeah. 
Uh, let's move down the line here. We have Aishwarya Sridhar, one of the brand new producers of the Eyes on Conservation podcast, joining us from Yay. much, much later in the evening. Hi. Ash, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Gregs. Uh, hello, everyone. So basically, I am a, a wildlife uh, presenter, a filmmaker, and a photographer from India. Uh, I'm 23 years old and... Uh, I've recently joined uh, Wildlands uh, for a couple of months ago and I'm totally loving it. I had done one episode for the Eyes on Conservation community, which was on the wonderful world of wetlands. I hope some of you have listened to it and I'm really excited to be a part of this. Excellent. And you got a, a favorite meme or favorite part of the internet right now that's keeping you busy? Oh, yes, there's so many memes that are floating out right now on the internet. Like, some are really hilarious. Like, I really liked one which was about uh, bear grills and the koalas. So, it has toilet paper and uh, leaves, basically. So, it goes something like this, that bear grills is telling everyone that uh, instead of using toilet paper, use the leaves. And the koala is horror struck because it has just eaten leaves. And <laughs> you can see leaves on its mouth. And it is staring as if, what the hell is he talking? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty All good. All right, you're going to have to send that one to us. I want. I have to get a visual. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, that's I, a I great definitely one. send that. I think I had mailed it uh, yesterday. I'm not sure. Uh, did you receive it? I did send Greg, I remember. Yes. Uh, and, and anything you mentioned today, as far as articles or memes or whatever else, um, go ahead and send me all of those links and we'll make sure that they are up on the show notes page for this episode. Which, oh, yes. Surely I'll send it across. Which is going to be wildlensinc.org slash EOC198. There you can see everything that we are talking about. Uh, moving down the line, we have Kristen Tiesch. Within the beautiful bat dress. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Kristen. Uh, well, yes, I'm representing bats today. Um, you know what? I just have to say a couple of days ago, I was representing Easter. So I'll put my bunny ears on for a second. Not for the whole call, just for a little bit. But yes, yeah, so I'm a filmmaker um, and I'm making a film about bats. It's called The Invisible Mammal. Um, and I uh, am one of the early members of, of the Wildlands Collective, and I love seeing the whole collective expand and all the new faces and voices who are, who are joining us and contributing to our Eyes on Conservation podcast. Um, so yeah, my favorite uh, meme, you know, just because it was Easter the other day, this is kind of an Easter-themed meme, was um, kind of related to what we're doing now in terms of everything going, you know, to Zoom calls, you know, during the zombie apocalypse, um, otherwise known as the coronavirus crisis. Um, yeah, it was Jesus sitting at the, at his last supper and every, all of his 12 disciples joining him on a Zoom call. He was at an empty table. <laughs> It, it was hilarious because you could see at the bottom, at the controls at the bottom, it said participants 13, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Really, that was pretty really good. Funny. That's pretty good. My, my father is a pastor. I passed that on to him and he was pretty pumped about it. So, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
I mean, we, you know, this is, this has been since day one of quarantine. I've, I bought myself a Zoom account, you know, Zoom stock went like through the roof and everybody's, everybody in the world is using Zoom now. And it's just, it's just hilarious that this is our new reality. Last night I did Zoom karaoke with people from around the world too. So that was pretty fun. That oh, is wow. pretty yeah, wow. Maybe, maybe we can maybe we can end this call with why can't we be friends or we are the world or something like that. Oh yeah, that's... we are the world. That sounds like a great we way to get world. to get nobody to ever tune into this podcast ever again. <laughs> so. uh, I don't want to leave him out. Hey, Matt Matthew Podolsky, tell us a little bit about yourself there. Hey there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And can you sing a few bars from Let's Be Friends? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Why can't we be friends? <laughs> no. Nobody wants, nobody wants to hear me sing. That's, that would be a bad <laughs> uh, So, yeah, I'm, I'm Matt Podolsky. I'm one of the producers of uh, the Eyes on Conservation podcast here um, and also a documentary filmmaker. Um, and uh, also the producer of this this other podcast series that um, we have going, um, produced by Wildlands and also uh, our local community radio station here in Boise called Common Land. Um, and uh, you know the the I don't know I'm I, I kind of I, I relate um, to to Adam a little bit. I'm not I'm definitely not a meme person, but there was one that caught my attention and made me chuckle recently. Um, and it was, uh, see, so, uh, you know, there's like one image of, uh, uh, like, you know, somebody sitting in front of a video screen, right. And it said like, you know, this is what it looks like to be a video editor, you know, before the coronavirus crisis. (laughs) And then there was a picture below it. It's like basically an identical picture of, you know, an editor sitting in front of a computer screen doing editing. It was like, this is what the editor's job looks like after, yeah. you know, coronavirus crisis. I'm like, yes, yeah. that is. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. Uh, and if you haven't heard Common Land yet, it is excellent. It kind of chronicles the story really well, very, very well. Uh, in a docu-series type uh, about the National Conservation Area, Birds of Prey Area in in uh, Idaho there. Fantastic work on that, Matt. Uh, okay, Thanks. we got Esther here. Esther, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, if you like, if you so please. It's okay. Uh, okay, my name is Esther, and I live in Lagos, Nigeria. Yeah, so I work as an ecologist. I study birds, yeah, at the research institute. And uh, I also write, so I'm trying to get into science writing and more of science media, basically. So that's why I'm part of Wildlands, you know. So, yeah, I want to join the storytelling. I love it. I love it. It's great. Thanks for, thanks for being here today. Uh, and we've got Brandon. Brandon on the end there. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself there? Yeah, I'm a Wildlands Collective member and also a wildlife filmmaker and wildlife cameraman uh, based in the Yellowstone area. And I'd say that I'm not much for the memes myself or or familiar with many of them, but uh, I would say any of them related to the Tiger King documentary are priceless. 
and uh, also being focused inside and working from home, being an editor, uh, the, the meme that Matt refers to pretty much certain work similar for me has been resuming as normal in terms of continuing editing and sitting in front of the computer on your own doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Day in, Relatively. day out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for joining us, Brandon. Um, I'll just say real briefly. Well, I, also, I wanted to see, yeah, I wanted to say that, you know, speaking of Tiger King, we are, we are going to have a, an episode of eyes on conservation that talks about the real big cat rescue and real big cat conservation uh, coming up wow. in, in May. So stay mm. tuned. Yeah. Cool. Like with people, actual people doing actual real good work, um, as opposed yeah. to yeah. just <laughs> who, who a are in, who amazing are in prison. Yeah, who aren't in prison. <laughs> yeah, right. as opposed to the, the, the shit show on Tiger King. Um, <laughs> I'll just say it real briefly. It's streaming on Netflix, right? It is on Netflix, yep. Netflix, yeah. Uh, so I, there's like a bunch of memes, and I, I, I love a good meme. I can't help it. It's like the 12-year-old inside of me that's like, yes. Um, but even if it's not really a meme, I think like my favorite internet sensation right now is... All of the like go outside and howl at 8 p.m. or at 7 p.m. like go out Mm. and cheer on all the healthcare workers. Like this is like such a primal thing that it's and it's like not organized. There's no central, you know, uh, governing body that's like putting this together. It's just a bunch of people going out and, and yelling or clapping or, you know, if you know, you're an Italian means, you know, singing Pavarotti from your balcony. It's like all of these different things. And there's just something so instinctive and natural about it. And I love it. I love every little bit of it. So I can't get enough of it. Oh, and I guess if there is a favorite meme, it probably came from this morning. It was Martha Stewart leaving drunk comments on a little baby hen house. <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh, and she owned it. So it was awesome. Um, anyway, uh, quarantine is going quite well for Martha Stewart, apparently. Um, so because there is a, a good number of us here on the table, um, in, in the round table here, uh, I wanted to ask two questions today. One, about how the coronavirus has personally affected your conservation or environmental work, uh, what it's meant to you in terms of like the stuff that you're doing um, day in, day out, and, and how you're managing with that. Um, or the other question that we wanted to ask and was um, an article that you might bring to the table talking about something like a, a short synopsis of an article that's discussing the, the connection between the environment or conservation issues and COVID-19 or the coronavirus. Um, because there's so many of us, I would say maybe pick one of those for now, and then we'll kind of see where we are toward the end of this conversation, and we can keep going with it or um, you know whatever it is. But just so we all have a chance to uh, jump on that, how has the coronavirus personally affected your conservation or environmental work? Or uh, share with us an article about uh, how the environment uh, conservation has been impacted by COVID-19. Um, anybody want to take a stab at that first or... Well, I'll start and, you know, just because um, I've got this film that I've been producing and I had this whole year planned of uh, filming, you know, at bat habitat locations around the country, around the United States um, and Canada as well. So around North America. Um, And all of that has just come to a screeching halt. (laughs) Um, 
you know, bats are definitely, it's what, April now, so most of them are coming out of hibernation, and uh, I was planning to do some filming up at some caves, uh, the lava tubes, and some caves in um, Northern California, and, you know, now I'm stuck in my apartment, so, <laughs> so that happened, and then on top of all of this, you know, the coronavirus, you know, COVID-19 is basically blamed on bats. And so now there's this newfound um, fear of bats again. Once again, here we are. Um, so what what I've done, you know, just like the rest of the world, is gone, you know, to Zoom and continued to do my research and my interviews uh, via Zoom. And um, again, you know, you'll be uh, you'll be able to hear some uh, conversations with some bat experts. Uh, some of you were on the call. Uh, with me last week when I interviewed Dr. Winifred Frick from uh, Bat Conservation International. She's the chief scientist there. And she was just basically talking about the connections between coronavirus and bats and um, how scientists were able to, you know, to connect it to one bat species from Wuhan, China, and basically why we, you know, why we shouldn't be afraid of bats. <laughs> it's we've got this under control guys it's and also you know our it's more us than them that's spreading the disease and that's what we should or the virus and that's what we should be you know aware of now so this is content um coming at you very soon um and so yeah i look forward to sharing that information with you and we'll see how we can incorporate that into the film that i'm producing yeah, you can probably include that aspect in the film, like how the virus is being blamed on the bats. I know, it's not fair because the bats didn't do anything. We did it to them. So Yes. You know, we're just we keep on taking their habitat away and then we take them and put them into wildlife markets and it's just not, you know, it's not very sanitary and it's not fair to them. So yeah, we'll, you know, we'll we'll have to keep working on finding a way out of this mess that we've created. I also don't think Batman's done them any favors. You know, it's this vigilante, uh, just some rich billionaire who goes around and just beats people up, you know? It's like, yeah, I, come on, yeah, man. Yeah, blame it on the billionaires. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's truly the billionaire's fault. Let's let's face it. It's <laughs> truly the billionaire's fault. One of, one of our other... Um, Slogans of Wildlands has become eat the rich. So <laughs> don't eat bats. Don't eat bats. Eat the rich. <laughs> eat the rich. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, unless unless there are, there are our donors, then then we won't eat them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Then that that Patreon is going still without you. So we're looking at you, big guy. All right, big gal, whatever it is, get in there. Uh, all right. So who, please contribute. That's right. That's right. Uh, who who'd like to go next? Adam, you're looking restless. Take hey, it away. Adam. I can I can definitely go. So I I'll talk about how it's sort of affected me in terms of uh, freelance wise and also just in my life as well. Um, I uh, recently moved to uh, back home to Michigan because of the. Uh, the effects of uh, coronavirus, mostly so I'm more isolated and more able to be out in nature. Uh, so um, I moved to Michigan from Wisconsin 
because of the effects of the coronavirus. And uh, I do a lot of uh, freelance photography and uh, graphic design work. And I've seen wow. a lot of uh, different movement within those two uh, creative fields in terms of just the way people have navigated and then how people are um, trying to express their work from uh, this point on. And uh, in my graphic design work, which is my bigger piece of the puzzle in terms of the two, um, I've done a lot of uh, reaching out and sort of broadcasting my design work through Instagram and things to give it a little more uh, interaction um, because of there not being so much physical interacting currently. Um, it's important to be involved uh, in the uh, virtual uh, ways of connecting. So I've sort of uh, broadcasted my freelance in that way and uh, a lot of it, all of my creations are based on uh, nature-driven ideas. And uh, recently I've been doing uh, one that's on national parks throughout the world and um, so I'm creating a lot of things that are uh, sort of my own, and then I'm sort of reaching out to people and sharing them um, currently. Um, because I am starting to uh, generate these freelance opportunities, I'm young in my career. So um, that was sort of uh, how I've adapted. And uh, in terms of my photography, I do a lot of photography right now. I'm on the shores of Lake Superior, so I love waves and think waves sort of move us and uh, generate ideas. So I'm creating a lot of uh, photography based on the waves and not just photography, but videos too. Um, and then in terms of the overall freelance world, we have come into a society where uh, the freelance world has rapidly adjusted. They have rapidly adjusted into more people being involved, more people from full-time opportunities within the uh, graphic design and photography world, and them sort of coming into this whole uh, piece of the puzzle as well. So we're much bigger and stronger force of people. But uh, in the same aspect, it gives... Um, a wider variety of uh, collaboration in our field. I did read an article where it said that 85% uh, of freelancers currently have lost their contract. And, and through that, um, they are um, applying for unemployment and applying for um, through the CARE Act, um, which has really created some financial support for people who are in the gig economy and the freelance world, um, which, is, which is helpful for the time being. So a lot of us are sort of in, a, in this middle in-between where we're trying to figure out the next step. So that's how it sort of has affected me. And I think overall... We just have to learn from this and learn that 
um, the environment is caused by us. Climate change is caused by us. And the effects of animals uh, becoming infected with viruses and then passing them to uh, human population is all from us. And we just have to be more aware and we have to um, educate people, I think, on this idea. So this conservation and also just being involved in the natural world is so important right now in particular. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, like you said, it's like really easy to get frustrated about, um, you know, everybody having to stay home or canceled contracts. There's a lot of freelancers. I think almost everybody in this group is, you know, doing some kind of freelance work at some point. Um, and to get frustrated about that and to think that it's just all politics or it's just policy, but to not think about the root causes, which is almost always entirely just disruptive humanity in the way nature is trying to go about its business. Uh, thanks for pointing that out. And on a side note, uh, Adam has a lot of graphic design up uh, different uh, state parks. I've done different logos for for that. Um, it's a really cool series that's available on LinkedIn that you can check out. And it's really, really good work. So um, thanks for sharing your thoughts there. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think overall, I think that we just have to be more creative in this time period and also um, navigating through ideas of uh, expressing what, imp what importance of nature is. And also one quick point, um, there's a lot of places that are beginning to actually be seen more like LA and, and there's photos of these various places without smog because they've actually had to shut down, you know, the, the refineries, which is great. Um, and it's shown like over just this small period of time, how valuable it is. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, who else would, who'd like to take a stab at this, uh, how coronavirus has personally affected your work or an article you'd like to share or, a bedtime story you want to give us or a couple bars from we are the world. <laughs> okay. So I'll go next then. As of, uh, I had actually like Kristen planned a documentary shoot going on. Uh, so I'm currently filming the endangered lion tail macaques, which is a primate species in India. There are only 2,500 of them left in the wild. So in the month of Jan, I already had done one shoot and I was to continue that in April and May because during these times, uh, they come on the ground and they start feeding on jackfruits, which is your favorite uh, fruit. And now is the fruiting season of jackfruit trees. But unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 virus, the entire filming schedule went for a six. I could not uh, travel by air over there and I'm just stuck at home. So like Adam said, yes, I adapted. And instead of continuing that film, I put that on hold. And now I'm doing a short uh, series with an association with WWF for school kids and teaching them how to bring wild animals to their home with origami. So I not real wild animals. <laughs> yeah, not real wild animals. Paper wild animals. Tiny and paper. The, yeah, tiny paper. Animals. This was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait, you know what? There's another. There was. There's that other meme that's going around that is about okay. like all of the houses. Like the they give you like six houses that you would end up in. All right. Um, yeah, uh, if you were when you were in quarantine, and they give you like a list of like people. Oh, of we are people different type of houses. Be, yeah, yes. people that you would be stuck in the house with, and and like there's usually one that is like this terrible it's like all these great people and then like one terrible person or thing and <laughs> okay. like there, yeah there was like uh there was like a few there was one that was like that you'd be stuck with a grizzly bear and i'm like oh hell no, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> i want to be stuck there <laughs> i'm like nice. all, i like all the rest of these people but hell no to the grizzly bear no 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 i saw grizzly man <laughs> i am not getting stuck in a house with the grizzly bear <laughs> <laughs> so pa- paper also, animals also, that's a that's a much smarter idea for sure yes <laughs> yeah so yeah. i kind of adapted to that <laughs> now i'm doing that with wwf <laughs> yeah which is awesome um very very that cool great have you had some great response from <laughs> that so you. far or like what what's the what's the feedback you've gotten on that also, it's been really good. I've had some uh, little kids send me what they have done. Uh, so I've taught them uh, elephant, uh, the rhino, the giant panda, uh, the butterfly and um, the olive ridley sea turtle. So I've had little kids actually, although the elephant and the giant panda is a little tough, but still eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds have made it and they've actually sat and colored white paper in the same color as the animal and send me images of that. So it was really sweet. I really like that. That's awesome. Uh, I, I think in, you know, given everything that's going on and, and the value of toilet paper and the kind of like uh, value that we should, we should give it to maybe, maybe throw in one where you, you, you do like the, like when you go into like a hotel or a motel and they've shaped the toilet paper into like a little animal before you use it. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, next, that's cool. Yeah. The next, you know, 50 cent idea. Um, okay. Who, what else we got? Who, who, who'd like to take a stab at this? I know we got some guests today that we didn't plan on and probably didn't plan on sharing with us, but if you, uh, Brandon or, or Esther, got something you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, I'd be happy to go. Uh, I have a particular experience uh, where the virus affected an expedition I was on. And so in general, I was scheduled to travel to Indonesia and Sri Lanka to film orangutans and their current situation in Borneo and then travel to Sri Lanka and cover an Asian elephant conservation story in relation to some human development and affecting migrations of wild herds and the largest gathering of Asian elephants in the world, and then move on to filming whales. And the entire expedition unfortunately unraveled uh, the day that I landed in Jakarta, Indonesia. And basically 12 hours after landing in Indonesia was determined that Every aspect of the expedition was not going to be able to go through. And the day that we were scheduled to land in Borneo, Indonesia was closing all the national parks. And so I was unable to travel anywhere from there and basically was forced to return back to the U.S. and was fortunate enough to make it back to the U.S. safely and soundly, uh, but kind of missing out on covering some really important stories. Uh, The time schedule for the elephant conservation issue was pretty imperative to be to be present right at the end of March and their migration route to these certain areas and then affecting certain local agricultural fields and crop rating and things like that. And it's a story that really needs to be told and uh, more widespread around the world. And then in reference to orangutans, their situation is growing ever more dire 
uh, by the day due to palm oil and, and encroachment on, on uh, from people. So any more coverage on that is always a positive. And yeah, not being able to cover those stories was uh, pretty emotionally devastating. And then in general, the whole trip just getting canceled. Obviously, returning back to the country safely and soundly was a was a, a great benefit. And then now. Being back at home, stuck in the office like everybody is now, uh, working on editing stock footage and wildlife footage and trying to put out some source of inspiration uh, from what I've captured over the last few years for people to you know, feel somewhat happy and positive or inspired or excited about whenever they get the chance to go back outside and really explore is uh, the current project and currently what I'm working on on a day-to-day basis while being in front of the computer. Sure, absolutely. You get, do you have any plans to try to? I mean, obviously nothing concrete, but um, an idea that you'd like to go back to Jakarta or somewhere else, or I mean, any any yeah, thoughts about certain. that? Uh, yeah, next year I plan to resume this trip actually, and the same part of the year. So the kind of starting of the trip was to visit orangutans and film and capture and share their story. Uh, but then the real personal desire is to get to Sri Lanka and film whales and specifically free diving with the blue whale. And that's always a personally extremely high goal of mine Mm -hmm. and a story I'll continue to cover for the rest of my life. So having done it once, uh, I I anticipate trying to continue to do that on a yearly basis. So, uh, but then seeing the almost more important story of covering the Asian elephant situation in Sri Lanka and having made some recent contacts uh, through this expedition, then I'm I'm extremely motivated to to resume this entire trip next year. Of course, it'll be adapted and changed and adjusted due to the time schedules and and what will be occurring next year versus what happened this year. But no question about it, I'll be I'll be going back there uh, around this time next year. Very cool, very very cool. Well, can I, I, can I come out. with you? That sounds amazing. I want to come too. All, <laughs> yeah, all of awesome. that. I'll, I'll hold your microphone. All of that sounds great, <laughs> except for the part about like actually being in the water next to the whales, which I'm sure is beautiful oh, and I magical, but also terrifying. Even I want to do that. I want to be with the whales. <laughs> Although I have not done scuba diving ever. <laughs> I know. I've never, uh, I've never experienced a more difficult filming aspect as a cameraman than having to hold yeah. your breath while, mm. while uh, maintaining some kind of professional quality of the video footage. That's by far the biggest challenge. But, and yeah. then, of course, swimming next to a whale that's uh, 65 to 95 feet long. Yes. Certain- yeah, wow. And, uh, yeah, it's all very exciting. You know, you hear, you hear these <laughs> stories about amazing. people who say, like, when you have an infant, don't sleep with them in the bed with you because you might roll over and crush them in the middle of the night. I'm sure the whale thinks you're great. I'm sure it's pumped <laughs> about having you, like, swim next to him. But, like, it's just such a massive volume of, yeah. of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's hard to conceive of. Uh, I've only had uh, very few experiences uh, being in the water, uh, specifically with a blue whale. And, and that, uh, it's hard to conceive of your mind doesn't really comprehend how big this animal is, but what is without question, anytime you're in the water with a large animal, my only experience, uh, is with a blue whale. And so it, what's incredible and then everybody remarks on is how graceful they are and how knowledgeable they are about their surroundings, their body, where anybody else is and how incredibly uh, majestic they are moving through the water and how cognizant they are of you and having no ill intentions whatsoever with the people around them. Uh, let, if it's not just curiosity to see what we are, but they're incredibly graceful with what they're doing. That sounds magical. Yeah. We would yeah. look so tiny against the blue whale. You just imagine us yeah. next to the blue whale, really tiny. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's extremely graceful. Just don't come back a flapjack, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
Anybody else want to go? I, I, I got something I could share too here. It's up to you guys. Go ahead, Greg. All right. Um, so, you know, Adam, you kind of touched on this just a minute ago, talking about uh, how much CO2 has dropped in the atmosphere. This is from a Forbes article that we'll post on the website there. Um, but the kind of concern is like, you know, things like, um, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to like smash up like several articles. So I hope I'm not stealing anybody's thunder here. But, you know, things like the Venice canals being able to be seen all the way through. I've seen the Venice canals before and they were gross and super creepy. And now it's like, oh my God, they're not even that shallow or, you know, that deep. Like, that's amazing to see that. Or that, you know, the Himalayas are visible from parts of India for the first time in decades. Like, that's, that's fascinating. Um, the thing that concerns me is, yeah, you have this massive drop in especially CO2, but other greenhouse gases. Uh, because of production stopping, cars not being on the road, um, all good things. But, you know, as, you know, the economy and the need to, you know, the pressures of, of politics ramp back up again to get back to where we were um, as if that was a good place to be and not really have a place, you know, a, 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 a system in place or a plan in place for how to mitigate some of these disasters. Uh, this Forbes article in particular talks about how, we're going to see like a massive spike immediately following this. And um, so it's like we're, we're living in this kind of uh, just a small flash of a potential of how beautiful the world could be and how great it could all be if we just left it alone and got out of it a little bit more. And it's sad, but it's the reality that it's not going to stay like that. Um, and, as soon as as soon as there's an opportunity to get industry back up and people back into into the workplace, um, uh, it, that's that's just the sad reality of it. And I don't want to be Debbie Downer over here, uh, but um, that's you know it's something to be thinking about. And um, yeah, it just really bummed me out, you know, reading stuff like that. So um, enjoy it while it's here, and let's try to think about ways that we can have a society, have a, a world society that that has it as a reality, you know, so. Well, you know, we, we used to be cave men and cave women, right? And so we're kind of, yeah, we're kind of going back into the cave right now. And maybe this is like a return to our, our primal roots, you know? My family has always been very bourgeois, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not yeah, true. Well, we're as long as I can have rosé rosé delivered to my cave, I'll be fine. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that in any of the history books. You know, what Greg said was very right because uh, in India, you're actually reading about tigers coming out and you know, really coming close to human habitation areas which they never used to earlier traverse. And now they're all claiming that to be their territory. But the day our lockdown opens and uh, Indians come out on the streets once again, the tigers would have to be in lockdown one, once again because the territory that they have claimed is all going to be back to us. So that is right. really scary the day the lockdown opens for all of us. Right. I mean, hopefully, hopefully this is, you know, just this is a suggestion, you know, to, on how to move forward, you know, hopefully people, all of us humans, you know, see the changes, these positive changes, like, you know, wildlife coming back and the air being clear, you know, and, 
And maybe this is a suggestion on how to move forward and, and live a different a different lifestyle with less impact, you know, on the on the planet we inhabit. Cohabitat. They, you know, cabit, cohabitate with, you know, all these other species. Yeah, yeah. Well, well like, I don't want to. I don't want to steal from what anybody else might want to add in terms of like what they, um, you know, answering those questions. What has coronavirus affected your your work or um, an article that you want to share, anything like that? But um, maybe maybe somebody maybe you guys have some tips on you know like what can we take out of this? What are the learning examples? What's the thing that's that we're having to do now that we can take and uh, use it as like a a, a real uh, a source of inspiration or or ongoing activity. You know what are, what are takeaways from this? How is society going to be changed from this in a way that we we just can't go back to? Um, I'm interested in those things. Like, what's the positive that we can take away from this? Well, I would love to start um, just be, and this this goes along with with what I wanted to bring up, um, which is air travel. So, you know, in the past few years, it's just been like nothing to just hop on a flight and go somewhere, you know, um, especially, you know, here in California, you know, I live in this very large state in the, in the United States. And so if I want to go visit my brother or my friends down in Los Angeles, just hop on a plane and it's an hour and just go down there. And it's not that expensive, especially if you book a flight, you know, three days, three weeks in advance, you know, and um, and now all air travel has just come to a halt, you know, not all. I mean, the United States is still, you know, the one country in the world that has the most, you know, air travel still happening, you know, largely because there's a lot of states that aren't on lockdown. But I've just thought of, um, that this coronavirus, you know, crisis is making me think differently about hopping on a plane and going to L.A., you know. Is that trip really necessary? You know, are those carbon emissions really necessary? Are is all the pollution, you know, that that's not re- relevant to, or related to um, carbon dioxide necessary? You know, and can I do that? Can we just do a Zoom call? You know, and you know, this is kind. Of, it's kind of a return back to, you know, when I was growing up as a child and stuff, and we didn't just hop on a plane and go to LA, you know, just at the top of a hat. But now people are just going down for the day and, oh, I really wanted to go see a concert in Los Angeles. So I'm just going to hop on a plane and go, you know, and we just waited for the band to come to, you know, our town. And if they didn't, oh, well, you know, next year. But um, I think it's going to make people think differently about, you know, hopping on a plane, not just because, you know, of the carbon emissions and the air quality, but, you know, the, 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 people always used to say that planes were the place that you would pick up, you know, a virus. And so I think there's going to be some fear related to like going back onto a plane and whether or not I'm going to catch some kind of, you know, a deadly virus, you know, on the plane. Right. So, so I think that it's, it's going to be different. Um, You know, I think that one of the other things that was shared you know, right before or right when we all went on lockdown was um, Naomi Campbell's uh, ritual of taking (laughs) taking a flight and she walks in with a mask and gloves and she takes out a a blanket and covers the whole seat and she sprays everything down, you know, all of the surfaces down before she sits down on her on her in her chair on the plane. And, And I just think that like now people have this, you know, this fear of 
of being back in these enclosed spaces where, you know, anybody, you know, could have transmitted germs, you know, to that environment. So I, th- I, I hope that, you know, that, that air travel will go down a bit, you know, for the sake of our, you know, of our atmosphere, you know, but also, you know, just to help us slow down a little bit too. It's, it's nice to slow down the pace. A little Absolutely. Bit, I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Esther, do you want, do you want to share anything or anything you see like exciting or like good that's coming out of this? Or, I mean, how, what, what's, what's it been like um, in Nigeria? Any, has Lagos in particular been affected by this in a specific way or? Um, yeah, um, Lagos is like the most populated city in Nigeria. So we are the ones who, like we have the highest cases of the um, virus. So we are locked down like the rest of the world. Well, for me, uh, it, it hasn't changed um, my work much. Just a little, actually. So before now, I was in the middle of a project. So I used to look at beds. I used to count beds weekly at a lagoon. But now I can't go out because I usually use public transport. But other things, pretty much, it's like it's an opportunity for me to focus on, you know, doing stuff with my data. Um, the online courses I've been postponing, you know, because of time. I have a bit more time now to at least try to do that. But unfortunately, I haven't been writing that much. Yeah. Just because I feel the pressure of, you know, work, work, work. You know, I'm not at work, so I have to do a lot now. Yeah. And it's a bit it's a bit hard because the house is full. Everybody's home, so there's a lot of noise, you know. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think anybody here is like doesn't, you know, or, very few of us anyway have like zero background noise like our house is a is is a zoo right now and so like you just hear like so much <laughs> stuff going on all the time but then it's kind of cool cuz you also see like the you know the people that you follow on social media or like you see on TV and they're doing the exact same thing like they're all home um but yeah there's no excuses that's there now you got all that data you're sitting on and and you've just been waiting and putting it off and and now you got to go through it right yeah Matt, what about you? Kind of quiet over there. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I was supposed to be on a uh, um, a little a little trip right now that got canceled as a result of um, this pandemic that's going on. Um, so yeah, I uh, was supposed to start a through hike of the Appalachian Trail on March twenty seventh. Um, this was a, a trip that I, I had been planning uh with my mom um for several years um and it was something that i had uh you know over the last six months or so i had basically sort of taken this this like personal project that that my mom and i had been talking about and planning for a number of years um and i kind of uh it, i i found a way to sort of um I, I guess I don't know. It, uh, a, a storytelling component had always been sort of a, a part of um, of this trip for me, um, but it, it was I don't know. It took me a while to kind of decide like what what that looked like or how I wanted to tell that story, like what the medium was. Um, but after you know working uh, on this this new podcast series, Common Land, uh, that I mentioned uh, for the past year. Um, 
sort of decided that that was like the best fit um, for sort of the style of storytelling I wanted to do. Um, so I had pl planned out a whole season of this new podcast series um, based around this trip, um, a through hike of the Appalachian Trail. Um, and I had all these different stories I was planning on following. And I was, you know, setting up interviews with folks that I was going to meet up with at different stages along the trail um, and covering a variety of different sort of uh, conservation stories, but also looking at the history of how uh, the trail itself and the different national parks that the trail walks through, um, how they were established. Um, and uh, yeah, that trip, I mean, it's, it was, um, you know, I, I think like it's, uh, you know, Brandon, you know, uh, hearing your story about how, you know, you'd plan this trip and, you know, you reached this point where like you actually were able to board a plane and, and get to Jakarta and then everything kind of came crashing down. You know, I was like a week out. Right. So um, like I had my bag packed, I had all my gear ready to go um, and I was, you know, still planning on starting this trip, um, you know, about 10 days before we were supposed to start on March 27th. Like I was still 100% like planning on doing it. Um, and then on uh, March 17th, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, which is the this nonprofit organization that um, is uh, sort of, you know, manages and, and facilitates a lot of aspects of, of how the, the, um, the trail is managed. Um, they basically released this statement, uh, you know, urging all hikers to uh, to get off the trail and, and, you know, to stay away. Like if you haven't started your hike, don't, you know, don't start. And if you're on the trail already, get off. Um, and, you know, to me, this idea I'd been sort of thinking about like, OK, well, like, how am I going to adapt my story based on, you know, what's going on with the pandemic? And like, you know, I, I was sort of looking for unique storytelling opportunities um, that might arise as a result of this like very different and unique situation that um, was, you know, was presented. What I wasn't thinking about was like the um, the potential for people who are hiking uh, on the trail to to spread the disease, right? So there's all these small communities along the trail where people stop in to resupply um, as they go through the hike, and you know the potential for uh, uh, hikers to uh, to be disease vectors uh, was sort of like a light bulb, like oh right, okay, like I'm I I would be you know contributing to this problem if if i followed through with this um so that that shut it down but yeah i was you know 10 days away from starting when when that happens um so yeah i've you know shifted you know i found myself in this uh interesting situation where you know i, I had a bunch of you know I had this big trip planned and it was canceled and so you know now i'm stuck at my house and uh yeah just trying to like find ways i mean all the sort of articles and, and stories that folks are sharing about connections between you know this pandemic and conservation and wildlife um you know i've just got all these ideas like running through my head and i'm just kind of trying to like find ways trying to like find you know any kind of story that like helps make those connections to people right because i think you know we're we're in this moment right now where you know, uh, I think I think there are enormous opportunities for folks in in our situation, right? Folks who, um, you know, are storytellers and who are looking for ways to like convey this information in a you know compelling and entertaining way um, to the public. 
you know, it's this is an opportunity for us to like share these ideas and to like communicate to other people that, you know, even though like this is a troubling time and, you know, there's a, a, a huge amount of sadness associated with all of the human loss that we're experiencing right now. Um, and there's certainly more of that to come. You know, I, I do think it that it's our responsibility to like look for those lessons, you know, like what can we learn from this situation? And, you know, like Kristen and, and Greg, everything you guys were talking about, like climate change, I think is enormously important. You know, we have this opportunity to like, you know, look at the changes that our society has been forced to implement and to like look forward and think about, you know, how we could, I don't know how we can learn from these uh, restrictions that have been uh, placed on us right now. And, you know, I think, you know, climate change is, is, is the one sort of enormous uh, topic that, you know, I hope as a global society, you know, we can like learn something uh, from this um, in relation to climate change. But then the other one is, you know, the, the illegal wildlife trade, <clears throat> right? Which, you know, has potentially has this direct connection with how the disease jumped from animals to humans. Um, and there's a lot of interesting research going on that, trying to sort of figure out what that pathway was. Um, but this, you know, the potential, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's clearly possible that, you know, this disease made that jump to humans, um, or was, it was only able to make that jump to humans because of the situations that humans created, you know, in these wet markets in China, um, and the illegal trade in wildlife products. So it's like, you know, with, this is, and, and, you know, the illegal wildlife trade is an issue that, um, that I've become very familiar with over the past few years with, uh, my work on, um, Vaquita conservation and, and my involvement in, uh, Sea of Shadows, this documentary. Um, and, you know, like working on that film and learning about all of these, uh, different issues associated with the illegal wildlife trade. I mean, it's so, it's so sad and depressing, right? Because the issue is so complex and enormous and like the scale of what's going on is just like uh, it, it, it just crushes you. You know, it's like you feel so small and insignificant, you know, even, you know, we, we felt like we were very successful in, in our efforts to like get these this story out, uh, you know, via this film Sea of Shadows. But like even when you have a really well-funded you know, documentary budget and you're able to like get your film out through an amazing, you know, distributor like National Geographic, it still just feels like a drop in the bucket. Like, you know, like did that film have any effect on the outcome of this issue? Like realistically, probably not. Right. But we are in a moment right now where we have a global pandemic, right? Um, a situ like a pandemic that is not just, you know, killing people, but is, you know, uh, devastating our global economy, right? Like, this should be the impetus that, like, we need as a society to finally, you know, end uh, the global trade in illegal wildlife products, you know? Um, and that's that's really what I feel. I mean, that's kind of like, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to, like, find... Um, the the like the right messaging the right story to like convey the scale of this and uh to like you know at least um i don't know you know to find some way to move the needle right 
um, even if it's that's in a small way or, you know, to like start that process of like snowballing, right? Where more and more people start to realize, um, you know, that this is this whole situation that we're in is human caused. And, you know, as a global society, we hold the power to, to change it. I think that's spot on. Um, and the fact that it's more or less the economy that is the impetus for calling out that change of how tragic and awful and problem causing the, the illegal wildlife trade is, um, there's just no excuse not to act on it. Um, and now you've got 7 billion people who are pretty irritated about it. Clearly everybody all over planet earth has been, um, you know, inconvenienced by the entire situation. Uh, so it's, it's hard to imagine that that messaging doesn't kind of evolve on its own. And quite honestly, I hope it doesn't take the same thing with climate change to make some change there. Although it's hard to imagine what that might look like. Um, a situation where people are forced to stay home because of how awful it is. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, relocating all, you know, entire communities and, and whatnot. Um, Thank you for that, and sorry that you you missed out on your Appalachian Trail, and we hope that you're hiking, you know, at least circles around the house or something. Um, finding, finding <laughs> I've been new, doing lots of loops around yeah, my neighborhood. Yeah, yeah finding yeah. like <laughs> new bricks that you haven't seen before, that sort of thing. So, uh, Based on that, uh, and, and I, th- I think that's a good, a good stopping point in general, um, if anybody has anything they'd really love to add, definitely go ahead and, and do that. But um, I just want to say thank you very much for sitting in on this. I have something to add. Yeah. Let's not wrap this up before we talk about toilet paper versus the days. (laughs) (laughs) Because we all know that the true crisis that we're having is that there's no more toilet paper. So. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And I don't know. It's like, sometimes I'm in this conundrum. I don't know whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing that there's no more toilet paper because you know, if everybody went to bidets, then we'd be using more water. But then if, but you know, so I don't know. Does anybody know? Like, which well, one's better? Well, I, I have a question. I have a question, you know, like, it, it, my question is about the toilet paper crisis. Toilet paper crisis is, like, is this an American crisis? Like, for those folks who are not living in the U.S., like, are there toilet paper shortages in other countries? No, at least I don't think it's there in India. But okay. I guess food shortage is I, there in India. There's no food. There's no food available out there in the supermarkets. Oh wow! What about in Lagos? Uh, there's no toilet paper shortage. It's just <laughs> people are hungry. Yeah. Oh. oh. See, Same this problem. Is, this is what I'm saying. I mean, this the fact that like toilet paper is like what a lot of people are talking about in the U.S. Like that's, I, I mean, it's. It, it it says something about like our culture and society that toilet paper is what we run out of and not food. It's such know, an artificial actually, shortage here too. That's just well, and it's it's interesting that you say that. And I'll share this article with you, Greg. But um, I'm sure some of you have heard the news in the United States that there that farmers are actually having to throw away their food. Right? They're gonna they just have to because they can't sell it and it's, and then the export, you know, it's, it's difficult to export it now. It's too expensive or something to export it. And so there's a lot of food just being wasted here, you know, just vegetables just being tossed into compost, you know, eggs being crushed, milk being dumped, 
you know, because they just can't sell, you know, they can't sell it right now. So, you know, and, you know, and as, as both Ash and uh, Esther explained, you know, people in other parts of the world and even our country, you know, are, are without food right now. And so it, it is, it's true. It's true. It's of course, Americans, you know, we all have, you know, it's this lifestyle that we are, are used to. And then, you know, our lives are, you know, only slightly inconvenienced and, uh, I don't know, maybe this, maybe this coronavirus is going to make us all wake up, you know. I really hope it kind of makes, uh, us as a, as a community, as humanity think again, that, uh, this is actually a situation that we ourselves have put uh, us in because of our actions. It's nothing but a consequence of our actions that we are uh, facing today in this global pandemic. That's true. Right. right. Yeah, I think we have to sort of realize that uh, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but we have s suddenly as a culture sort of slow down. And I think that's an important piece to the puzzle. We're always, you know, busily moving from place to place. And maybe it's important for us to figure out a way to, you know, bring more aware to that hike that you go on or that nature that's important to you. Definitely. Anybody else want to add anything to that? Jesus zooms. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> that is so so helpful. Thank you so much. Um, uh, on behalf of Island Conservation and the entire Wildlands Collective, everybody, thanks so much for visiting today and for sharing your thoughts and your feelings about it. And um, hope everybody stays safe and healthy not just in this chat room, uh, but also in, in all the Zooms of the world and in every living room um, and in every, every area there. So, um, yeah, let's hopefully, let's hope something good comes out on the other side from this. Stay safe, everyone. Safe at home. Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. <laughs> stay safe. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Thank you for doing this. It was wonderful. And happy Earth Day. And happy, happy Earth, Earth Day. Day. Happy Earth Day. <laughs> Bye. Special thanks today to Adam Campbell, Osefsky, Ryan Jones, Aishwarish Ridar, Brandon Navratil. Tons of his really, really good work is on a lot of our social media right now, so check that out. Kristen Tiesh, Esther Nososiogi, Matthew Podolsky, and myself, Gregory Haddock. Remember, Mammals comes out today. It's Twitch for nature. And if you're not a patron yet, please sign up at patreon.com slash wildlandscollective. Before we sign off today, thank you to all those first responders out there keeping us safe and well. And those hows out there, they're for you. Any memes, links, articles mentioned today on the show are on the show notes page at www.wildlensinc.org slash EOC198. And give us a call at our voicemail at 208-917-3786. Or you can also send us a voice note to info at wildlensinc.org. What we want to know for the next show is, what's your favorite quarantine activity? Happy birthday, everybody. <laughs>